Welcome back to Barely Serious. This is episode 65. Sitting here with fucking Eric Escobar. How's Hello! It, how's it going, man? It's going great. We just wrapped up a wonderful show here in Gardena, California. We have not been shot yet, so a win is a win in my book. Dude, are we... Is this so... Because the Baskin Robbins over there has fucking gates on the windows, bro. What? You know what? Ice cream is a highly desired commodity in today's society. And you know what? It's a dangerous place. It's the new club. Is 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 Gardena dangerous? I thought this is South Bay. We're we're okay. Here's the thing: the South Bay is safe, but we're definitely the hardest like crew of the South Bay. Is Hawthorne in South Bay? Hawthorne is equally as street credible. Really? Okay. So I used to run cross country, and we did or and track, and we did a track race in Hawthorne. As we were leaving, we saw this guy get like shot and shit, like outside like the bus windows. That was me. I definitely <laughs> had it in for that guy. Um, he was an asshole. Just throwing it out there. Um, Hawthorne is chill. Here's the thing: when you look at the South Bay, everyone assumes the South Bay is like Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach, really fancy places. Yeah. But like. San Pedro is in there. Hawthorne's in whoa, there. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't throw San Pedro in the South Bay. San Pedro's hella South Bay. What? San Pedro, San Pedro. It's very south and of the bay. No, is it really? It is. It shouldn't be, but we'll throw it a bone. Why not? Dude, <laughs> San Pedro, have you, have you ever been? I love San Pedro. San they have a place out there called Busy Bees. It is the best pastrami sandwiches you'll have in your whole life, and you may or may not get stabbed while exiting Busy Bees. But you know what? It's worth it. It's a great <laughs> sandwich. Have you ever been to, like, the abandoned warehouse? Like, that's right on the port? Is it's, that the one that's haunted? Yeah, so it's the Port Warehouse 1. And you know what? Film shit I've, in there. I've attempted in my high school days to actually go close to it, and then I cry, and I do not want to be near it, and I leave very quickly. Really? It's, it's very spooky. It's, it's very a spooky. Spooky, spooky place. I've been there multiple times. Because the first time we went there, it was like nighttime with like my homies, and we were you know like ah like all that stuff. But there's fucking thousands of feral cats, raccoons, all this shit. Everything's scary as fuck. There's like random like windows. Like it's huge. It's a huge warehouse, and there's like random windows with like lights on. It's like it's super scary. Like I just want to point out that when I freak out, I cry and poop myself. But when you freak out and your friends freak out, you just go, ah. Let's do it. I just want to say, like, that's a, that's a lot of balls. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> anyway, I heard that you had a, uh, you told me that you had a little mix-up at a fucking coffee shop. I did? What was that about? <laughs> this guy. You said that you thought you fucking saw me there and you, like, walked up to some oh guy. Oh, my Lord. Yes. So I was, I was booked on a project in L.A., and I remember being like, I don't want to, like, risk the traffic being crazy, so I'll just get there, like, two hours early, <laughs> and I'll go to this coffee shop. And I get there, and I remember this guy comes up to me, and he's like, oh, hey, what's up, Eric? And I'm like, fuck, I know this guy, and I have no idea who it is. This is the worst thing that can ever happen to me. I'm so embarrassed. And then I look at his eyes, and I'm like, wait, I know this motherfucker. I don't know <laughs> his mask. I don't know the hat that he's wearing, but I know his eyes. And those are the handsome eyes of one Galen Nash. <laughs> and I assumed it was Galen Nash until about 30 minutes into the conversation <laughs> when I referred to him as Galen. And he was like, oh, my name's like Jason or something white. I don't know what you are, Galen, but you're something white. 
And I was like, oh! And I literally assumed he was you for such a long time and was very embarrassed. What were you guys even talking about? Where, like, you didn't realize, you're like, oh, this may not be gaming. So this was about two weeks ago when I was at, I believe I was at Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets. I was on Harry Potter 2. I'm reading through Harry Potter right now. It's great. And I was reading through it, and we talked oh, about. Oh, oh, oh! I thought you said you were at. I was like, I was like, where the fuck is? Was that a restaurant? Like, what? Where the? You fuck? know what? In my mind and my heart, I was at Hogwarts. Like, how the, yeah, how the fuck was this fool at Universal when it's closed? Like, you know what? I have my means. I got a lot of connects. <laughs> uh, it pays off being a mid to high level comic. But I remember, um, I talked to this guy forever, thinking he was you. He wasn't you, and I like kind of insisted that it was you. I was like, Galen. <laughs> Galen, stop being a fool. Stop playing around. But it was not you. And boy, oh boy, was that a weird moment. <laughs> yeah, you were like telling me, you were like, dude, did I see you at a coffee shop like two weeks ago? And I was like, no. And you're like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm sure I wasn't at a fucking You have shop. <laughs> very charming, handsome eyes that I feel really? like I would not forget. And this gentleman had similar eyes. May have been a lady. They're I brown. wasn't paying attention too much. We we're talking about mostly about Voldemort, but really? it was a good time. You and I have the same eyes. We do. We have that. Is like, that why you're are you Asian? It? No, you're not. Kind of vibe. <laughs> you were talking to Mike over there. You said you referred to Asian as we. Are you Asian? I am Asian. I'm half Filipino. So is I that can... Asian though? It is. We're Pacific Islander. That's but... as that's about as Asian as San Pedro is South Bay. I will claim it as long as it helps me on my graduate school admissions tests. Really? Well, don't do you put Filipino or do you put Asian? I put mixed race, <laughs> Latino slash Hispanic, and other. I got three out of the possible eight. What's what's your other half? Nothing, but I want to lie to make sure I get some diversity in there. I want to make sure that whatever happens, I'm gaining some points. Fucking guy, dude. If you could be a different race, would you? Would you swap? I would be Mongolian. Have you ever like seen Mongolian people? No. They look very strong, and I feel like I would love some strong genes. Isn't that just Chinese? It is, but I would love to wait, be wait, Mongolian. Wait, wait, wait. No, isn't Mongolians were the ones that were like fighting the Chinese, no? I don't really know, but at the end of the day, I would love to have naturally occurring muscles in my shoulders, which I do not have now. You used to be fat. I used I was at about 280. I think at my highest, and um, I'm around 200 right now. So that's about 80 pounds. I think I have a picture somewhere. We did a show together at Halloween, and you took your shirt off, and you were pretty big. I was wearing just underwear. I think I was a wrestler for that yeah, show. Yeah, you were. You were. I was a wrestler so I could show off my back tattoo. But it, when I saw pictures, I realized, wow, that's a cool back tattoo, but you're also pretty fat. You should probably <laughs> I, I put that away. I didn't that was, I'm proud you're proud of it, but Eric, please put that away. I didn't even notice the back tattoo. I just saw the fat. I was just like, it, there's Damn. not even a back tattoo. I'm just pretending it's there. Are you serious? No, there's a back tattoo. <laughs> what I is it? suffered for it. I will claim it. What is it? It's an eagle. It's supposed to be an eagle fighting a dragon fighting another eagle. But um, it was a lot of pain, so I wussed out about four hours in. Hold and on, I was hold like, on. let's ease up right now. The eagle is fighting the dragon, and then the eagle and the dragon are also fighting the other eagle? The eagles aren't on the same team? Um, eagle, same team. Eagle fighting dragon. Dragon overcoming eagle. Other eagle trying to take flight. <laughs> Why'd you get that? I don't know. Um, my tattoo artist was like, you want to do a back piece? This would be a good idea. And I was like, yeah. 
And then he started doing it, and I'm like, there's no backing out now. Let me that's, cry tonight. That's foul. He just suggests, like, the most expensive, biggest fucking thing. You want to do a back piece? Like, what the fuck? The worst thing was we were like, all right, let's do this back piece. We can bust the outline in probably, like, four or five hours. Oh, fuck. In four or five hours, we got through one-fifth of the outline of the whole thing. So I'm very much dedicated to this project for the rest of my life, and I'm not looking forward to it. It's not done yet? It's not. It is maybe a fourth of the way done. Oh, my. That's not. Oh, my God. And that's a fourth saying it's really more of a fifth, but I'm trying to be, like, ballsy about it. Why do you have? Why were you, When was your first tattoo? You're fucking covered. My first tattoo was in, I believe, 2014. I got it in San Francisco for Friday the 13th. Um, and since then, I have gotten a tattoo every state I've performed in. Okay, well, at least it, like, means something. Yeah, but sometimes get a little stir-crazy, and I'm like, yo, let me get, like, three in Portland. And now I'm, like, just really <laughs> regretting the three in Portland. Do you have any tattoos? No. no. Re- would you get a tattoo? The, okay, so I used to be, like, super anti-tattoo, but then I kind of, like... What a pussy. I know, but it's, like, it's not just the needle, but I was just like, fuck, like, I'm the one of those, what's that gonna look like when you're fucking 80? There's a lot of... Here's the thing. I feel like with tattoos, with your first tattoo, definitely make sure, like, it has some meaning to it. You're happy with it. You're confident with it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, like, just have fun with it. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of my tattoos are pretty bad, but there's a funny story with it, and that's what I value. The first tattoo that I'm gonna get, that I when COVID hit, I was just like, fuck, now I just can't do it, is uh, I was gonna get, I don't know what it's gonna be, but when my great uncle passed away, he was like a fucking, like, father to me, right? Yeah. I have his ashes, and we're gonna mix the fucking, like, ashes Ashes with the ink, ink, and then have something. Um, But, dude, it's hard to find someone that's, like, down to do that shit. Like, it's up to the artist. For sure. There's a new trend of, like, Tattoos done with ink where you put it under black light, and when the black light hits, it like shows a new image. No way. And it's really cool and it's really fun, but it's crazy because there's not a lot of artists who want to touch that. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I've heard of this ink. Is like, it, I don't oh, it's see a, it. It's a different ink. It's a different ink that allows you to like have black light tattoos. And a lot of tattoo artists are like, oh, cool, but no. Like, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that's going to do to you. I'm going to just put an eagle on you and let's call it a day. The thing is that where they don't want to do, like, the ashes infused with the ink, because I guess it, like, has higher risk of, like, infection or something. And they don't want to be, like, liable. But or... it's an infection that your loving grandfather gave to you. Yeah, I've seen some pretty fucking gnarly <laughs> tattoo infections, dude. I don't want... I don't want that. And then it's like his ink's just his ashes just bubbling up on my skin and shit. I'll pass. You know what? If it's for grandpa, go for it. Really? Would you ever do that? Um, no. But if you wanted to do it, I would in- <laughs> I would totally be in full favor of it. Let's let's go. Why wouldn't you do it? You think it's creepy? Uh I don't think it's creepy. I think that like it's very new. And you look at people with 50-year-old tattoos, 40-year-old tattoos, and you're like, oh, that holds up. That's cool. But that's like basic ink, basic stuff. It's been tried. It's been tested. We're good. I don't know if an ash tattoo is safe. Well, see, it's it's very minimalistic um, amount of – it's like just a little dash just to say that it's there. It's not like some like spiritual like now he's part of you type of thing, which I think a lot of people that do get infected, they're like – dump like a whole fucking vial of ash into it and it's like no 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 it's supposed to be very ground up fine powder and then you just take like a pinch and it's it's supposed to be like 99.9 percent would your grandfather want that for you never asked him (laughs) he passed away well you can now no response grandpa it's okay he's on board he's on board he's doing it how long you should get something really vulgar 
with your grandpa's ashes. Just fuck. Yeah, just F-U-C-K, bold letters, Comic Sans. <laughs> uh, just to be clear, maybe Helvetica. We can do a Helvetica. I'm sure you'd be very proud. Um, You were asking a question. I interrupted you. I apologize. Oh, no, that was, that was uh, funny. Go on. Uh, how long have you been doing stand-up? I did a mic in 08. I did a mic in 2010, but I feel like my official birth date was um, 2012. So about eight years. It, fuck, dude, that's crazy. Do, is so? Where did you? Where was your first time? And is it still there? My first mic I ever did was at the Laugh Factory. No actually. way. I googled comedy clubs Los Angeles by me. Laugh Factory pulled up. I did their mic. It's an audition mic. Uh, I was just talking to someone else about this the other day. But um, about your first time. My first time, yeah. Uh, Natasha Leggero was the host. Oh no way. Which was crazy. She was starting out at the Laugh Factory. This was you know years before she like popped out. But it was crazy. She was the host. Um, I now did a mic. This, is this 08, 10, or? This is 2008. Okay. And um, I bombed horribly, and then I didn't do it forever. My school, my college had an open mic, and that was the one I did in 10. Bombed horribly again. And then in 2012, um, I, like, really started hitting the ground running. Why? What, what What? made the change? Like, why were you just like, oh, fuck it, like, I'm going to take this seriously now? You know why. Comedy no, is okay. horrible. I know, it but, like. It makes you feel like poop. I know, but like, what, what, well, like, what made the difference? Where you're just like, I'm gonna do this now, as opposed to bombing, bombing. Because I mean, I'm sure that third time wasn't a fucking killer set. I I feel you. Um, I feel like what happened was I was dating this girl. We were dating for like six or seven years, and um, we broke up because essentially, she was like, I think you're devoting too much time to this like comedy thing, hmm. and I don't get why we're not hanging out more. And when we broke up, I was like, well, we broke up. And a big reason for that was I was spending so much time doing comedy. So now I feel like I have to succeed at this right. or else, like, I just broke up with the person I was going to marry because I wanted to do some of mics. Mary, how long you guys were together? We were sophomore year of high school, Shut the end up. of college. So about Fuck. six, seven years. That's too long to be with one person. Were you cheating? It is. It was horrible. So now I have to succeed or everything's a lie. Really? I mean, you can't quit stand-up. Now it's like after two years, you're just fucking in it. You know, like there's no matter how long, you're just in it. You can't. I feel like that's the thing. Like I feel like it's not about like proving myself anymore. It's not about like, oh, well, I lost this relationship, so I don't have to do this. It's not that at all. It's more just like I put a lot of time into this, and right. I love this, right. and I want this to be my future. So I'm not going to look back. Because I've already put too much time into it, and I've already put so much like just desire and want into it. Like I have to succeed. How old are you? Thirty. Thirty flat. Thirty flat. Fuck. Oh, so you. I like, was a B cup, but now I'm thirty flat. You started started at what? Twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. Same. I went up my first time. I was like, it was like five days before my twenty second birthday. Jeez, I started. I want to say it was the day before my twenty first. Really? So right around the same time, yeah. Yeah, that's good, dude. I mean, I mean, I mean, you see all these people starting like at like an older age, like thirty six, like forty, and it's just like, fuck. Well, here's the thing. I feel like it doesn't matter what age you enter into stand up. Like, you can do it at fifty. You can do it right, at twenty. Right. Of course, of course. I'm just saying it, it. It it adds like added advantage that like here, dude, you're eight years deep. You're headlining. You're going around the country and shit, and you're only thirty. Well, it's the most frustrating, annoying like reality that we are working. We're opening up for people who started when they were, like, 15. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's such a weird feeling because it's like, yo, I get you started early, so you put enough years in to do what you're doing at an earlier age. 
But dude, I've been doing this for ten years, and boy, oh boy, uh, <laughs> I wish I started at twelve. That'd yeah. be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that'd be wonderful. I um, I wanted to do. I've wanted to do stand up like my whole life. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, who was I, your favorite? Like when you were growing up, did you like watch a lot of stand up? See a lot um, of stand up? Kind of. Uh, Daniel Tosh. Oh, you yeah. know what? Tosh was a bi- real big influence on me. Tosh, dude. Yeah. The fucking man. Tosh.0. I don't think a lot of people would realize how big that was when it was on. Huge. It's still on. It's still on, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I don't. I haven't watched since for like a few years, but like those early years, dude, fucking. Well, I think Tosh is kind of like. I'm a big Anthony Jeselnik fan. Same. I love Anthony Jeselnik. And I feel like when you're in your early 20s, late teens. You love comedy that really pushes against that, like, can I say this? Can I not say this? Like, is it too edgy? Is it not sure. too edgy? And I feel like we see people like Daniel Tosh and Anthony Jeselnik and a lot of these, like, shot comics is like, yo, when I was 19, I just wanted to, like, fuck the system. Mm-hmm. And y'all are fucking the system real great. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just want to be like you. And it's so appealing. And it's like, I think a lot of people who are doing comedy now, they they were inspired and they were so excited by that, like, push against the authority kind of mentality and it's so cool to see it now when things are like pretty pc and things are yeah. pretty like oh yeah. i can't say that dude tosh tosh is one of those guys that i just love because like his stand-up is like super underrated like not a lot of people like talk about it but he's for fucking sure great i remember he did a special and then he did a second special and i feel like he repeated a couple of jokes and everyone like we're like oh well he's not real he's repeating jokes whatever and I'm like, yo, you try to write an hour a year. It's it was, not easy. it was, it like, was, an, come on. it was an album. It was an album to a special. It was that, like Happy he, Thoughts. Happy or? Thoughts 2010. Yeah. So yeah. he had the an album that wasn't turned into like it, it was just an album. It wasn't a, a a formal special. Yeah. And so he like took like the best jokes from that and put it on. Does it mean like? Yeah, there's people that get to notice that, but like honestly, like Jesselnik did the same thing. Like if you yeah. listen to like Caligula to like the next one, like there's few jokes that carried over, but I mean he also what shitted out like forty jokes in the whole thing. We're also living in a very different time where it's like that kind of comedy almost gotta like toe the line with it. You know what I mean? And it's just, yeah. it's annoying that, that that's a time that we live in. I feel like you can joke about anything as long as it's funny. But now you see a lot of people being like, oh, well, I can't do as many edgy jokes. I have to write different jokes, and that's a harder time. So my special is going to be a little more mainstream. Right. It's also Tosh, he, he, he can make a joke, like the most savage like rape joke of all time, and yeah. then the next fucking joke could be some like soft-ass joke about like a teddy bear or whatever. Exactly. And he gets the same huge laugh. Like That's fucking – that's just incredible. Yeah. Um, but I think it's different in the, the day and age that now, cause it's like with the fucking internet and shit, like we could just be like, oh yeah, he told this joke minute 2536 of his first album when back, you know, in the seventies there was, you either heard it or you didn't. And exactly. There you can't just pull some shit up or Google Daniel Tosh blank joke. And then you have the whole transcript, which is like, you know, it's like a blessing, but also kind of like a curse too. Yeah. It's weird because I feel like comedy's always been that thing where it's like, even if I'm repeating a joke or repeating a bit, I can get away with it because not everyone has heard it. You know what I mean? Right. But now with YouTube and Pandora and Spotify, it's like, yo, if people are coming to my show, I legitimately have to come with different stuff because they've heard everything on YouTube. And it's like a weird world that we live in now where before you could just like, you know, you could have a good hour. And your career could be based off that good hour. Yeah. Where now it's like people are doing an hour a year. And it's like, I've I've been doing it 10 years. And I have an okay 25. You know really? what I mean? Like, 
It's crazy. Well, I can do 45, like, I can headline, but, like, I don't feel like it's the best, most prime stuff right. that I've ever put out. And I think it takes years to do that. And then you do that, and you're really special, and then they ask you to do another special a year later, and you're like, I spent 15 years yeah. developing this hour, and you want me to pull one out of my butt? Like within that's, twelve that's months, the people people who are non like in comedy that just like watch Netflix specials. That's what they always say. How come his first special is so fucking great, but the next one like just sucked ass? Exactly. It's like, dude, yeah, he's like his whole career like fucking went into that one, and then there's that there's the B sides, you know? Yeah, I'm not advocating for Amy Schumer stuff at all, but <laughs> she was put in a situation where she had to pull like an hour a year really? out of her butt. And she started to steal. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think that's right. I don't think that's good. But I can I can at least understand you being under the pressure and making, like, a bad call. Well, also, she was just a joke thief because she had that whatever show, and then she would rip off, like, toss shit and all this other stuff. And that it's wasn't— It's wild because it's so obvious. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? It's not even like, oh, that's similar. It's like, you stole so hard. You're a horrible person. But it's weird because she'll have she'll do that shit on like Comedy Central on the same channel that Tosh does his stuff as if like nobody's ever gonna notice. Like, exactly. The same shit with um like uh, the Rogan uh Mencia thing when yeah. Arsh, like dude, you're ripping off this dude's jokes in front of comics who know this guy. The dude is performing upstairs and you're gonna do all this shit like Bro, if you're going to steal some, I would never steal someone's jokes, but if you're going to steal someone's jokes, tell those jokes in like fucking Oklahoma in front of your fans where there's no one ever. Exactly. I feel like before, if you stole, there was less policing. Yeah. Where now it's like, dude, no, you're messing up. And if anyone hears anything, you're going to be like cut out. And that's that's how it should be. And Mm -hmm. you shouldn't steal. And like we should self-police. But it was crazy because you have a lot of these old timers who are like, oh, well, back in my day, like no one could look up your jokes where it's like, dude, we have the age of YouTube right now. Yeah. Like if you steal, we're going to find out. Well, there's um, uh, you ever hear about like everybody talks about Robin Williams and like what a great guy. But you ever hear about the uh, I've his heard jokes like stealing? people would go to the comedy store and approach his manager and his manager would basically be like, all right, he stole it. What do you want? Yeah. They would just sign checks. Really? To people. Yeah. Cause I they were didn't like, hear yeah, that. He stole it. How much do you want for us to like not make this a problem? So like what I heard was that he would, so like at the ice house, I guess, like he would come and like watch the mics or whatever. And then he would just like hear something and be like, I could do that better. And he would just like take it and then do it better. Well, I heard Mencia did that with his openers, which is really? crazy. Because it's like when you're opening, you might have 20, you might have 15, but like it's tough. It's tough to build time. Yeah. And he would literally steal all their best bits, and he would be like, oh, I can do that better, <laughs> and let me just do that and show you how it's done. And it's like, fuck you, dude. Like That's This foul. guy is just trying to like build his time, and you're stealing his best bits. You're a big old butthole. <laughs> butthole Mencia. <laughs> That's foul. Yeah, but uh, Twitter Twitter blows up all the time. Like, you see, um, I, I don't know their names, but some girl like tweeted, oh, like you did my joke on, like, the Tonight Show at whoever the fuck it was, uh, and like she put this side by side, and it was like word for word, and like she posted a clip of her telling it, uh, and she's like, "You were here this night that I that took this video, blah, blah blah," and it's just like, and then it like blew up, and she's like, "All she wanted was an apology." The other girl was like, "Nah, not true," and it's like, "Yes, true." Like what the like the shitty thing is, it always comes down to like who has it on TV first. Yeah. So you could have a great joke, and someone could steal it, put it on Letterman, or well, okay, this is very dated. Um, <laughs> put it on Conan and it's wild because if like whoever gets on TV first wins fuck but like 
I just don't get that. Like, I kind of just, I love the art. I respect it too much to just cut corners. Like, I don't know why these people just. I think people just get greedy at the end of the day. They're just like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, I want to get my 15 minutes of fame. I want to milk as much as possible. Maybe I don't have material that, like, levels up to it. So they steal jokes, and it's it's unfortunate. It's just, like, a shady part of the game because we're, like, not unioned. We're not, like, right. you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're very, like, fast and loose industry. Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever, like, taken one of your jokes? You know what, Galen? You know what? I actually did a show. This is probably about four or five years back. And I feel like the show was at, like, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. It Fuck. was very late. Where? And um, it was at the Universal Bar and Grill in North oh, Hollywood. Okay. So I did the show there, and um, I did this joke, and then I finish up the show. I drive home. I get home, go on my laptop, and I have a message from a comic in Connecticut. And he's like, hey, I heard you uh, stole my joke. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like 5 a.m. right now. Like, <laughs> why are you worrying about this? And he sends me a clip, and it's a very similar joke, but it's not like a crazy like parallel. It's right. just similar, um, and it's wild because I was like, "Jeez Louise!" Like we're policing so hard that like within an hour, someone on the other side of the country could be like, "Yo, you have a similar premise." And I'm like, "Wow, comedy's <laughs> crazy." What comedy's did you, wild? What did you end up doing? Uh, I was like, "You can keep the joke. It's not even that good." Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, because you, you see, um, are you part of, like, the Facebook, like, comedy scenes or whatever? I used to be. I used to follow all of them. I feel like, I don't know, a lot of them kind of self-imploded, no? Yeah, they all suck dick now. They're, there's, yeah. they're, I don't even know why I'm in it. But the San Diego scene is filled with just drama, and I don't know any of the people, so it's just epically hilarious. It's great. I love when comics take things too seriously. Oh. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, we're doing this because we're just like, I don't want a real job. I want to tell bits. <laughs> and it's wild when you get us all in a Facebook group and everyone starts taking it like very personally. I'm mm-hmm. like, you realize we're doing this, so we just can't have a 401k, right? Like we're just like having a good time. Like I don't know why you're so stressed out about this. But in the IE scene, or it happened at like Oxnard. Have you ever done like the comedy quench with um Uh that's that was in um Oxnard. Arizona, no? No. Uh, oh, the Ox. The, the Thirsty, thirsty Ox. ox. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. with um, JF, Jose Figueroa, Josh Figueroa. I think it might be a new host now. Whoever it I was, Thirsty Ox, mad, mad shout out, give us bookings and drinks. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> They're super fun every time I've been there, but I guess this guy was like telling this this bit like on stage or whatever, and the guy, and he like ripped it off with this guy, and the guy walks in and the, he was like, what the fuck? Like, that's my joke. And then the guy was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, it's your joke. And everyone was just like, like it was like, you know, the Spider-Man meme where the guy's like, exactly, everybody's yeah. pointing at each other. And everybody's just like, oh, shit, like, what's going to happen? And like, all this stuff. And like, nothing ended up happening that night. But then the guy like posted like an audio like in the L.A. comedy scene. And so, first of all, like the comments in the L.A. comedy scene are just fucking so great. There's, to be fair for our listeners, there are two L.A. comedy scene groups. Sure. There's the L.A. comedy scene and the new L.A. comedy scene, which is very PC. It is extremely PC. Like, if really? anyone is anything problematic, boom, you it's are deleted. shut out. Yeah. And it's crazy because I feel like the L.A. comedy scene was like, hey, if you have shows, if you have mics, please post them. Yeah. Then it got really trolly. And then yeah. the new L.A. comedy scene is like the very, like, 
PC version of the. It's a very weird situation. I don't think don't do stand up. I feel like yeah. you and Gail are saying don't do stand up. It's very stressful, and you need a Facebook page. But they so they post they like the side by side all this stuff and like they they just air it out on this on the in the LA comedy scene and so like all the comments are just like dude and they're like thirsty dude get the fuck out of here that's not even LA first of all yeah. blah blah and I listened to like the guy put it on like SoundCloud or whatever and it was I don't even remember what it was but it was the most garbage like piece of shit like I've ever fucking heard. Here's the thing I feel like a lot of people get salty over like possible stolen material, but I feel like stolen material can often be parallel thinking. And yeah. it's parallel thinking, it's low-hanging fruit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I do a bit where I do, like, who's had a horrible roommate? Clap it up if you ever had a horrible roommate. People clap. Well, if you weren't clapping right now, you were the horrible roommate. <laughs> so hacky! Yeah. Everyone has a version of that. Yeah. And it's like, if someone stole that off me, I'd be like, you know what? Like, it's that's stealable. That's right. so, like, yeah. just generic. You know what I mean? So it's crazy because I feel like a lot of people get accused of joke thievery. And it's like, do you thievery a joke or are you just like a horrible writer? Well, the only time that I've seen like like personally like a joke where it was like, yo, like this dude totally jacked this shit. Do, yeah. you, do you know Connor McSpadden? <gasps> I started with Connor. It, I spilled the tea. It was his joke that got stolen. He didn't steal a joke. Good, because um, I, I like Connor. Yeah, Connor's I like great. How, watch Late Night with David Spade. Is well, that the name of it? it? Got I don't know, but he works on it. Oh, well, you know what? Connor's a great... Follow him on <laughs> MySpace. Connor McSpadden. Uh, he, he does this bit. I don't know if you've seen it where he talks about, like, how sometimes girls, like, will be, like, riding, but they'll be, like, riding his dick, like, where it's, like... They'll be, like, riding his four-inch dick, like, nine-inch dick energy, and, like, they'll just be taking, like, gigantic fucking, I like... I don't know the bit, but it sounds like Connor. Yeah, and he'll just, like, act out, like, these leaps. It's very fucking funny. Uh, and... This guy, so I was I was at a mic in Orange County, and this I'm not gonna name the guy, but he's this big old fat guy. Uh, you can say it was me. <laughs> it was Eric Escobar. That was uh, me. And he does the bit like word for word, in in our home scene, which is also uh, Connor's fucking like where he like. Oh, he started no C. Yeah. yeah. And so like we were just like and so like me and my buddies, we were all like, what the fuck? Like it's like it's such like a recognizable bit where you're just yeah. like, because it's so funny. You're just like, you know who says this fucking bit? And we were like, what the fuck? And uh, and so then I fucking ran it. And this is like before I even knew Connor. And so like I fucking ran into him at the comedy store and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, like, do I do say you know? something? Yeah. Like, does he know? And so like I ran into him in the bathroom and I was just like, oh, I'm probably not going to see him. The rest of the night. I was like, hey, man, do you know this guy like around the fucking. So we're like waiting for the pisser. And I was at the fucking tight ass bathroom at the comedy store. Yeah. Uh, and I told him, he's like, oh, no, I had like no idea. Like, blah, blah, blah. And so like we we talked a little bit and. I've uh, seen each other uh, multiple times since, and then the last time uh, that I saw him, he was at Anchor Bar. And Ooh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Anchor Bar, the best. And this was literally a, like two weeks before the shutdown. And so like this is like or maybe the week before the shutdown. And fucking Connor's there doing like a drop-in spot, and this fucking big old fat guy was also there. And I... Uh, and. I was standing right next to the big old fat guy, and so, like, I'm thinking, like, ah, shit, like, I hope, like, Connor hasn't said anything. Like, I'm going to get beat up. I'm, like, exactly. saying, you know what I mean? Like, like don't say that I said anything. Um, just say, little birdie told me. Um, but 
so and it's a bit that Conrad has done in fucking forever because it's like you know it's like his a one of his a bits. You don't do this when you're working out new shit at fucking Anchor Bar. Totally, dude. He does the bit. He closes on the bit, and the whole fucking time he's looking at the fucking guy. Dude, it was the f- dude. It made I was fucking shitting myself laughing. And I just love cringe shit though. And, and the, this is pretty cringe. The guy was like sweating. The guy was like he was like fuck. Like he knows. Like type of thing. And I was just like fuck. Like I would have like. I would have just said, hey, man, like, don't do it again type exactly. of thing. But the, the crowd has no idea what's going on. Nobody else besides me and those three dudes that were with me know what's going on and the big old fat guy. And so it was, like, it was pretty funny. I love that because I feel like only in the world of comedy would, like, weird petty shit like that <laughs> exist. You know what I mean? The bit worked, too. Yeah. So it's like, it was just it's like, like, yo, I got a peanut butter bit and you got a peanut butter bit and I'm going early and I'm doing the peanut butter <laughs> bit. And everyone is like, oh, shit, he's doing the peanut butter bit. And everyone is like, I don't, I'm just having my drink. This is fine. <laughs> Fuck. You ever, in, I mean, eight years, you've probably seen some fucking beefs, dude. I have, but I think at the end of the day, like, everyone's trying to work and do the best they can. So it was like, shit, shit is always shitty until it's not shitty. You know what I mean? Like, stuff always passes. I think beefs and, like, we're all just trying to, like, make it work for ourselves. You know what I mean? Right. Do you remember the first time you, like, killed? Um, I think it was, like, the first Big Bringer show I did at the comedy store. And I wouldn't say I killed, but I definitely did well. And it was crazy because I, I think about that night a lot. And I remember I also smoked, like, a whole package of Jarms that night. What's that? It's, like, they're, like, little cigarillos, little okay. cigarettes. And I'm not sure if I felt so high off that night from the great set or if I felt so high off that night from having, like, 13 mini cigars. But either way, it's a night that, like, definitely sticks in my mind of, like, oh, wowie, yowie. Dude, there's fucking, there's there's nothing better than after having a great set at the comedy store and just, like, going outside and, like, smoking a joint, like, where you're not supposed to. A a good set is, like, good sex. You know what I mean? Like, Uh, afterwards, you just want to, like, whoo. Yeah, that was great. I need. I don't want to be near you right now. I'm gonna be alone in an alley. Yeah, I would. I would rather go somewhere and bomb, than have the best sex ever. Um. Yeah, you're alone in that. You might really. Be alone. <laughs> I just love stand up so much, especially now that we can't do it. Yeah, I I'm think like, there's fuck. definitely a lot of gratitude and wow, I miss this than there was before. Oh yeah. I do think though, like it's weird because like. The greatness that we had before, I don't know when that's coming back again. In what so capacity? Me, do you mean like the fact that you worked your ass off, we were doing it every night, and then you would have great sets? In that, like, getting back to that level, you would do you would do shows where it was so great, you just felt fucking amazing. Oh yeah, and you just oh, felt yeah. so good. And I don't know, cause like honestly, like you can get a similar vibe if you're like doing an open mic in front of ten people, but if you kill in front of three hundred. Oh, my Lord. That you're not going to sleep home. that night. Yeah. And I just, I'm curious when I'm going to be able, or we're all going to be able to feel that feeling again. <sighs> Fuck, dude, you just dropped a bomb. It's not a bomb. I just, no, just, I just wear your mask. Think, That's all I'm I know, saying. I'm just, I didn't think about, um, I didn't think about that. When was the, when was the last time that you felt that? I, so here's the thing. Um, I was in Montana uh, on the 14th. I was doing a TED Talk. I filmed my TED Talk on the 14th. And on the 15th, I had a show also in Montana, 
But for this show, I was supposed to do a guest set for Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, damn. Um, Gilbert Gottfried canceled because of COVID. So I became the new headliner. So all these people came to see Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> and they see some fat Filipino dude from L.A. try to do his best. And I remember being so, like, not scared, but just, like, hesitant. I'm like, they're, they're not going to like me. They're here for Iago. They're not here for me. And I remember I did very well. I did great. I headlined the show. I did awesome. And that was the last time that I felt high off comedy. Really? It was probably the 15th of... Yeah, it was the day before my birthday, the 15th of March. Oh, damn. So you were, like, into the shutdown. I was on the road until about April, and I had to cancel about half my dates. And it sucked because, obviously, you know, I needed the money, and I wanted to do the shows. But it was just wild because it was like, oh, they shut down, but... I'll be back here in a month. I'll be on the road again in a month. I'll be fine. And now life is life. I'm doing a podcast in a parking lot in Gardena. <laughs> Things are going great. Hey, hey, people are listening, man. It's we, we take what we can. It. I. On that note, I do appreciate you guys listening. I usually say that up top, but like, fucking man, like, it's it's crazy. Like, fucking the fact that people would listen to us talk for an hour and then take something away and then message you or message me afterwards and say, hey. I really thought this was interesting. I really liked this part, or this made me think about this. There's nothing better than that, so I appreciate Amen. you guys listening. Um, fuck, dude, but, like, when was the last time, or, like, what was, like, like the like the biggest bomb you had where you were just like, fuck, like, where it shook you to your core? I know it exactly. I was doing a show, and I, ha- I close on this bit where I say, um... How long ago was this? This was probably about two years ago, oh. maybe three years ago. I close on this bit where I say, um... I tried acid for the first time and it was crazy because my brother saw me and it was horrible because that's like the one experience you don't want to have as an only child. (laughs) And I remember I used to pause and I used to be like, that's the one experience you don't want to have. Pause, pause, pause as an only child. I remember a few years back I was doing the show. I was doing my closer and in the pause, someone yelled out, oh, are you an only child? And I had nothing to back it up on. Yeah. And that's how it ended. It was just horrible and bad. And it was the worst bomb I ever had because I had the audience the whole time. And then my my closer was killed. I don't consider that a bomb. If you had them the whole time, if you got laughs, I'm talking like, bro, eating shit. Eating shit? It's only happened to me like one time where like I fucking just ate shit. And you're just like, like one, two laughs, whole set. I used to open up with this joke about how it's like I used to go on J-Date and um, <laughs> I met this girl on J-Date and it's weird because I have nothing in common with Jewish women. You know what I mean? Like I'm Catholic. I love bacon. I know the Holocaust never happened. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember I opened up with that bit and no one laughed and it was the most painful like seven minutes afterwards. I didn't understand why. Show's over. Lights go on. The whole back row is wearing yarmulkes. Uh. And I was like, oh, that's why it didn't work, because this was a very Jewish crowd. And I remember I felt horrible that night, because I thought it was, like, something I did in the set. But then I realized, like, oh, I just, like, chose the wrong opener. Dude, it always – dude, there's always some shit like that. Uh, I, I did, did I ever have you out in, in, in Manhattan Beach? No. Fuck. Sorry. That was so aggressive. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I don't get booked a lot. <laughs> um, dude, Manhattan Beach, this show was so, like – it was the best show – ever 
because something crazy would happen. Like it was like if you wanted to show up there and have a good set, go fuck yourself. Like it was not exactly. happening. It was one of those where like, dude, you're gonna come away from that show with a story every fucking time. And I then, would rather prefer that because from a good set you learn nothing. From a weird set you get everything. Oh, and from uh, jokes that don't work, you know exactly where to tweak shit, and that's where it exactly. comes into fucking key. But dude, I fucking hosted this shit for eight months, so I have eight months of fucking weekly fucking crazy story. Dude, fucking celebrities would just randomly show up at this shit ass dive bar. Like, it was fucking crazy, but this fucking uh, Joel Jimenez was fucking headlining this night, and it was packed for some reason. It, yeah. It's never fucking packed, uh, and it was packed with these, in this one corner, there was these old fucking ladies, like this grip of old ladies. There was like 10 old ladies, and I'm hosting, I'm doing the whole- I call that Norgy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing, like, the whole hosting thing, like, oh, like, you know, you guys are here for this, date night, blah, blah, blah. For sure. Uh, and so I get at that, and every, Joel hadn't, like, he was there, but he wasn't, like, paying attention. Uh, and I think somebody's getting, like, raped over there. I feel like we, I feel like that might be coming from Brutus. No, these girls are just wasted over there. We'll um figure it out. And they're about to go drive. Yeah, we'll good luck. soon and see a sexual assault behind a dumpster. It'll be to wait 20 minutes so they don't hit me. Uh, but uh, and so these these women were all recently like lost like a child or like whatever. They're in like Jesus this, Christ, yeah, Galen. What kind of story are you on? Hold on. So they're in this like support group for like mothers who just lost their kids. Type what of a thing. niche demographic. <laughs> and they. For some reason, they just they heard about this comedy show and thought, oh yeah, this will be like a good we'll laugh away our pain type of thing, yeah, and sit in the front row, uh, and so like, but because I got this out of them, everybody knew, okay, let's not talk to these fucking people because it's just for sure, a, it's just gonna be a bummer. Like you don't want it, like nothing. Oh, that's why my dead kid. Like there's nothing that's gonna come out of that. Joel that's comes the only on. way I can get hard. <laughs> Joel comes on without knowing any of this, and literally. Only talks to them. Only uh, talks to them. But here's here's the weird thing. So he had, like, never headlined a show before. And so, like, uh, he was like, oh, how much time am I doing? I was like, oh, like, 25. Like, you can do whatever you want. Like, nobody gives a fuck. You know what I mean? And he was like, oh, okay, for sure. And so, like, I found out after that he only had, like, 15 minutes. Uh, and which is like, uh, you never annoying. fucking lie about how much time you could do. It's because true. Because here's the thing. You can always challenge yourself, but you're also going to be, like, totally screwed if you can't deliver. Right. So, like, if he had just been like, hey, bro, honestly, I can only do uh, 15. Sure, dude, do 15. Nobody's fucking holding you to shit here. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, and, um, <laughs> fuck. Uh, and so, fucking, he goes up there, and he was, like, wasted. He was, like, super nervous. It was his first time headlining, which I also didn't know. Uh, and he was just wasted. He had, like, a bunch of drinks. And so he just starts pestering these fucking ladies, like, but with no That's jokes. That's not good. He was like, oh, like. What's your story? I, I want to fuck you. And she'd be like, she was like, it got to the point where like, they're just like, leave us alone. Like, tell jokes. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. And like, uh, another person came over to me, like around the back. So I was sitting on the side. Yeah. And came over to me. And she, they were like, this is the closest I've ever seen to like, like rape with a microphone. And I was just Jeez like, fuck. like it, was, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, and like this girl, the woman starts fucking crying. She, he made them all start crying, bro. That is not yeah. a good move. No, but he's like, here's this thing. So I heard him talk about this story on uh, one of my buddies' podcasts because I, I saw my buddy was like, hey, anybody have questions for him? I was like, talk about this. Exactly. <laughs> and so, of course, he's going to bring it up. Uh, and uh, so he, he was like, oh, like, he doesn't really remember the night. And so, like, he's like, I just remember, like, they started crying, all this stuff or whatever. Uh, and, like, so, like, he ate shit, obviously. Like, you, you can't, like, make people cry and have, like, a great set, you know? Uh, he, Challenge I don't, accepted. I don't probably <laughs> not. 
unless like they're a heckler and you fucking go at them and everybody's on your side. But everybody was already on their side from I the start. I don't know about you, but my goal isn't laughs. It's definitely making people cry. If I can just make <laughs> tears happen, I don't care if it's for joy or sadness. I did my job tonight. Fuck. And after the show, he like w- w- like wasted like went up to them like like still like kind of not realizing like they really don't want anything to do with you type yeah. of thing. Uh, and she hit him. Uh, <gasps> she punched him in the face. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. And him. Everyone. And him. I feel well, like this was, was good for him. a lesson learned. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It is a, a huge lesson not to do that again. And also a lesson for everybody else. Is the lesson never to headline again? <laughs> this guy. That would be great. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's just because. So what he said on the podcast was that because he's like on the Kill Tony thing, uh-huh. what usually works for them if a joke doesn't work is you just double down or you yeah, fucking of you course. dig back in. But dog, like this wasn't Kill Tony. This is a fucking a real That's crowd. how I feel like people who support Trump think. You know what I mean? Like, so? that didn't work the first time in 2016, but I got to double down and <laughs> go super hard. <laughs> it's not a good system. No. Fuck. Have you ever had a crowd work go wrong? Um, or do you shy yeah, away from crowd work? I feel like, here's the thing. I feel like I can do crowd work and it can bomb, but if I can charm my way out of it, I'm good. And I feel like that is most of the time. But it gets really annoying when it's like, let me do crowd work and see if I can lead it into something right. and it doesn't work. And then you just like double down on it. And you're like, oh, no, this will work. And then you're like, that wasn't a good <laughs> instinct. That was actually really horrible. So that's happened a bunch. Have you had it where you like kind of like we're like a kind of kind of like a set that doesn't matter or like one of like Nick shows or something where like there's no like stakes. So you just kind of like riff to start it off and like you hit it out of the park and then you fucking your jokes instantly become better. You know what? I've always been a material guy. I'm I like my material. I, I feel like there's a lot of fun in crowd work and there's a lot of excitement in crowd work. But in the, the day, like I would rather do 20 minutes telling joke, 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 joke than being like, what can I mine here? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think crowd work is super fun, but it's it's not it's not me. See, I'm the same way with material, but like when I'm doing like a longer set, like if I'm doing over like 12 minutes, like I'll tell a joke and then based on like reactions, then I'll just fucking like then I could like weave in a little exactly. bit of crowd work. Yeah. But I'm not like. Like, I'm not like Rick Ingraham just going up there fucking crowd work king. Some like, people approach their set with, like, I'm going to see what happens and then go from there. And I'm very much like, I'm going to see what happens, but that's going to be for the first minute. And then I'm going to go into, like, joke, 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 joke. I 100% always have a set list, even for fucking open mics, and I'll date them. Ev- yeah. Every fucking – I don't, there's people that have never written a set list once. They just go the fuck up there, and I'm like, Aren't what the Aren't they the, the fucking worst? Aren't they horrible people? Well, I mean, I've some of them – aren't like that good either you know what i mean or they'll be like or they'll go up there they'll have like a great set and then like the next day or the next time you see them or like the next set they'll go up there and like try whatever they did and like it doesn't work and like they're like well, i don't understand what happens like because you didn't write it out like you exactly didn't, you didn't learn from this or figure out what made that work well i put a lot of importance and i put a lot of like validation on the late night set i feel like the late night set is the big thing that like really gets you the next level gets your special gets your tv deal gets your good agent whatever it is and late night sets are all about laughs per minute. And they're all about, like, how tight can you be with your jokes? And when I see someone who just does crowd work, it's like, yo, you can't do – you would never be able to do a late night set. Right. So, like, I almost don't want to invest in you. I could see that. But also, uh, as, like, a producer, like, you, it's, like, it's, like, build around type of shit like that. Like, it's good to have a dude like that that's on the show because then he does kind of poke around the crowd and then exactly. you learn – 
but like yeah like i don't, i wouldn't want to be that fucking guy that goes up there and well it's just so risky and i feel like even if you're the best crowd work comic ever like i don't know if i can rely on you if your whole life is crowd work you know what i mean like for booking well more so like if i work with you on a show or whatever like we could be homies but like if we're homies like it's kind of like do you think i will succeed and do i think you will succeed and if you're just kind of like fucking around i don't know if you'll succeed so like why do i want to invest that time into you and like being your friend and that sounds super harsh it sounds super political right but it's kind of part of just that game where it's like we can be homies but like i'm not gonna be booking you on my shows and it's not like you know what i mean I, I feel that 100%. It's fucking, it's different because, like, have you have you seen, like, no, this guy. <laughs> but people that, like, like are doing, like, like big spots and shit, and, like, you kind of, like, it kind of, it trickles down into, like, uh, like, when I see, like, my homie get, like, a fucking improv spot, I'm like, oh, fuck, like, I got to fucking, like, I'm always busting my ass, but I see that, I'm like, okay, like, now I got to get two improv spots, yeah. or, like, now I got to do this, and, like, I surround myself with people that are doing big spots, or I surround myself with people that are going off of headlining, doing all this shit, because it motivates me, and I feel like it steps my game up, than it exactly. would be some, like, open mic Well, king. it's, like, respect for the game, you <laughs> know what I mean? It, it really is just, like, if you're, if you're doing good stuff, like, I really respect that, but I also feel like no one has the same journey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I see people who, when I started going on the road <laughs> six years ago, seven years ago, um, there were people who didn't go on the road, but they stayed in town and they spent every night at the comedy store. And now those people are on Roast Battle and have writing gigs and are great. But also, like, I now have enough, like, road networking to, like, work full time as a comic. So it's weird because, like, we eventually both got to the same place, but we got there in very different ways. Fuck, dude. Yeah. So, are you? Do you enjoy being like a road dog? Um, I like it. I like it a lot. But I think in the back of my mind, there's always that um, thought of like, how can I make this sustainable? Mm. And I don't think the road is very sustainable, both right now and in the future, with just COVID shutting down so many clubs. So for me, it's more like I just want to make sure that I can live a comfortable life until I die, while doing comedy. Whatever form that may be. Is that is that your goal in comedy? My goal is to live a very comfortable life where I can just have fun and love what I do. And I just love stand-up so much. And that's all I want to do. And, like, do you know Jimmy Brogan? No. Jimmy Brogan was the talent producer for Leno for a long time. Okay. He's still Leno's opener. But um, I remember he was doing, I think it was a Johnny Carson spot. And I heard this story where it's like, oh, are you really excited to, like, do this Johnny Carson spot? And he's, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. He got a TV show. I think he got a CBS sitcom. Oh, shit. And um, people were like, oh, are you really excited to get this, like, CBS sitcom? And he was like, well, I'm not doing it to do a sitcom. I'm doing it because if I do this, I can work the 8 p.m. instead of the 10 p.m. show at the Improv. And I was like, dude, you get it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, everything I do, I just want to, like, do more stand-up. And I just want to, like, continue doing stand-up. And as long as I have that in my life, I don't care where my life takes me. As long as I can live comfortably and do my art. That's, I feel the same way. A lot of people, uh, they'll be like, do you think you're going to make it? And, like, my answer 100% is always fucking yeah. Because yeah. my version of making it isn't the same version of making it that everybody else has. That Well, some people in the game or aren't in the game. They're just like, oh, like, people think to make it, you have to be, like, the guy. You have to exactly. be Netflix specials, all this shit. To me, like, making it is, like, if I can make a living going on the road, doing shows, doing fucking podcasting, anything, yeah. I've made it. Like, that's 
I've made it. Well, I think, you know, you look at your Kevin Hart's, you look at your Chris Rock's, and you're like, wow, they make like millions of dollars yeah. a year doing comedy. And it's like, yeah, they make millions of dollars a year doing comedy, but they do that because, like, they probably love what they do. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if they made $100 a week or a million dollars a week doing comedy. They just want to do what they do. And I think it's there's something to be said for that, where it's like, money can take you so far, and you only take so many vacations, but if you really love your life... You win. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't care if you're making 30000 a year or $3 million a year. Like, if you're loving what you do every day and you wake up and you're fulfilled, I'm having a great time. And I'm very grateful to have had a life where that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, seven, eight, nine years. And I just want it to continue. I just never want to lose that, that fun in my life. That's all I want. That's fucking great, man. It's it's great, but I also sleep in my car a lot and eat a lot of uh, three-day-old pizza. Bro, I got a pillow, blankets in my trunk at all times. Do, honestly, though, sleeping in the car, some of the best sleeps I've ever had. I have mad love to the Honda Element. I that had I had that on a rental one time. I had a Sienna one time, so I had a Sienna. A good car to sleep in is, oh, it's the best. <laughs> What's the okay? Two more questions. What's the what's like the sketchiest place you've ever seven like, inches? Wait, what? Fucking guy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what's the like the sketchiest place you've like just pulled over on the side of the road and like just slept in? Um, I've slept in a lot of Walmart parking lots, straight up. Yeah, because you can. Smart. Yeah, you're allowed to sleep there. Um, I would say I sleep in a lot of rest stops, and some rest stops are definitely like a little more creepy and sketchy than others. So a few of those stick in my mind, but. Michael Jordan's dad got blown away sleeping in his car. To exactly. But you know what? If you're that tired to where it's like, I'm going to sleep here, I don't give a crap if I'm going to get murdered. Like, <laughs> I just want to get, like, four hours in me before I can drive to the next McDonald's. I've slept on the side of the freeway one time. It was like, I was going up to Oregon, dude. It wasn't even in a car. Galen just yeah. really, like, <laughs> slept on the side of He was hitchhiking all the way to Coos Bay. It was a good time. <laughs> uh, dude, so you host, how long have you hosted the Brothers Mike? Um, I think we're running on about three years. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so quick story about that. I actually, when I was in sixth, seventh grade, I was a big fan of a comic named Rex Navarrete. Still bi- still a huge fan of Rex Navarrete. And he was actually performing at this bar about four years ago. And, um, you know, you, you miss all the shots you don't take. So I hit him up on uh, Facebook Messenger. And I was like, hey, man, I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a comic. You're doing this show three minutes from my house. I would love to do a guest set. Like, is it okay if I just yeah. work with you? Like, that's it would, be, it would be a dream come true. And he was like, yeah, sure, come through. So I did this guest set for him. I ended up finishing out the weekend with him. And then um, at the end of the weekend, the bar was like, oh, do you want to run a show here? You're local. It'd be a good time. You have a good vibe. And I was like, no, that would be horrible. <laughs> Fuck producing. That's It's a very hard gig. But I will run an open mic. So we started an open mic. And, um, yeah, we're about three years going. We've lasted through the pandemic. It's good people, good vibes. It's it's one of the biggest blessings and one of the biggest things I'm grateful for in my life. What's the – okay, so, like, what's, like, the scariest fucking moment that happened here? Like, crackheads, like, fucking life. Um, the scariest moment that happened is one time uh, someone pulled a gun in the parking lot and shot someone else in the mouth. But – um. There was some great comedy that night. So, you know, it's all evened out. For something he said on stage or like it was just two randos? Drunks, dude. We go hard in Gardena. Okay, well, 
the craziest thing I've seen at open mic was at Anchor Bar, and it wasn't as crazy as that. But was uh, it uh, someone stealing a Conor McFadden joke? No, <laughs> it was fucking. Uh, it was a fight. But so this this comic, he he shows up, and he shows up. So at Anchor Bar, they do the the six, the eight, or R.I.P. But they did the six o'clock show, the eight o'clock show, and the and ten the o'clock, 10 o'clock show. show. Yeah. So I was there on the eight o'clock show, which is like the primo show. Mm-hmm. This dude was on the ten o'clock show, and so he shows up at ten. Uh, and so I was like, you know, we already all did our sets or whatever. We're all just kicking it outside. Uh, this fool shows up. He goes inside. And so then all of a sudden, like maybe three minutes later, he's outside like getting beat up. Like, oh, by the, my by God. Guy. And we were like, we were like, oh, like, what the fuck? And so, like, you know, you're kind of friends with the people that are on each show. That's so we were like, we we're like, <laughs> yo. I like how you see someone getting beat up and you're just like, oh, what the fuck? Like, we that's just a like, great reaction to have. <laughs> well, it was me and this other dude. We were taking a picture. And then we like. We were just like, oh, like, oh shit, like I also wasn't gonna jump in there. Like the guy, the guy was big, and yeah. But people, other like bigger comics, like jumped in, uh, and like broke it up. But what had happened was, so this guy, so he walks in there and he sees this girl like across the the bar, and it was a packed night. Uh, yeah. The whole show stopped because of this, obviously. Uh, it was a packed night that he just like just had just shown up. And he sees this girl like pointing at him, and he was like, he like pointed at him like he was like me he was like yeah. he was like she was telling this guy like oh that's the guy uh and he was just like oh like me like what the hell and so then he just sees the guy the guy comes over uh and it's like hey man did you grab my girlfriend's ass in the bathroom uh and he was like what like no man like i just got here like whatever and so the guy like goes back to the spot and then she like starts pointing at him again and he was like what the fuck and so then the guy just went over just bah, just socks him in the face oh like my drags him Lord, outside like welcome to orange <laughs> county <laughs> But like, fuck that, dude! Like, imagine just like you—he had just shown up. He had like, he hadn't even said hi to like Cass yet. Like, he, and then Jeez he's getting Louise. beat up, dude. Fuck that. I miss Anchor Bar. I miss Anchor Bar. I, I miss, miss racist bar. open mics. They're really uh, a good time. <laughs> what are you racist? No, I'm doing a bit. They're 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 just very white. The Anchor Bar is very white. They're a very white very, bar, very, dude. And it's also funny because like, how many times do you do do Anchor Bar? Like a lot, right? Uh, maybe a half dozen. So every fucking time, so they had the five dollar pizzas in the pizza place upstairs. So they'd have like yeah. their, their waitresses. Every single time, it was like a different underage girl that like fucking bringing like the pizza down. And yeah, I remember that pizza place was very sketch. I almost felt like it was some kind of like weird like r- drug ring. But the girls were like, okay, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but like they were like, like hot. You know what I mean? Like they were like, it was like, where the fuck are these like girls? Like it was like they just hired some cheerleading team. Like they just all. I was like, for sure, like it's like some sort of trap. Give me a G. Give me a A. <laughs> Give me a Y. Give me a, you're Give going me to prison now. The dudes be like, but it was like weird. Like I, I wouldn't tip because I'm like, I feel like we get in trouble for tipping an underage girl. You know, like like I know that they're probably not underage. Phrasing, but yes. But you know, cause I'm sure they're not underage. But I'm just like, fra- yeah, like tipping money. Like I, I was like, I don't think I could give you cash. I'm sorry. Like, but That's your service fair. was very nice. Uh, I'm, I'm proud. I'm glad. <laughs> fucking guy. As we uh, as we come across the final minute of the podcast, I always leave this part to the guests. To uh, it's usually to plug something, but there's not much going on. But I'm sure you have some stuff going on. So if you want to plug, ask questions. This next minute is you. you can say whatever the fuck you want, man. Hell yeah, cool. Well, I have a TED Talk I just dropped. You can find that on YouTube. Just look up Eric Escobar TED Talk, and you'll find it. Cause why not? 
Um, I also have a show coming out this September slash October on Fox. I can't say too much about it, but it's going to be a great time. Definitely tune in. And last but not least, I will be on the road. I'm doing D.C. and Baltimore and Ohio in December slash October slash November. I said those months in the wrong order, but if we all don't die, I will definitely be there if the shows are not canceled. Hey, and, and last but not least, I appreciate you, Galen, and I love oh, you. And I love you thank too, man. You for having me. And hey, we got. I know there's fucking people out there because I checked the demographics. So you motherfuckers better pull up and fucking go to those shows. Uh, pull up. <laughs> Thanks for being on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, baby.